Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. What you see in front of you, well, I can say it, is a Christmas gift for some little fellow that I know of. But I'm borrowing it this morning. He doesn't know it. <laughs> he, he'll, he'll unwrap this next week sometime. Uh, this is, uh, for those of you listening on the uh, podcast, um, what I have in front of me is a little shopping cart that a child would push around in the house, plastic little shopping cart. So the, the message this morning is, what's in your cart? What's in your cart? So I've got a handout for you. If I could have a couple of gentlemen. Young man, would you like to help me? You look so sharp today. That's a nice looking shirt and tie you got on there. You look sharp too, Dwayne. Your daddy. Happy birthday. Was it 12? 16. 16 and you're driving your dad crazy? Or I mean, excuse me, you're driving your dad around town? Is that? I noticed he lost all of his hair. <laughs> Melinda lost all of his hair, so I know he's got a teenager driving. I can see that. Right? Anybody remember, everybody remember driving your first teenager, your first teenager driving the car? Remember that? I see that. I see those hands. I see those gray hairs. Your time's coming. Your time. Oh, that's right. You've already, you've already experienced that. Wow. <laughs> mailboxes, <laughs> an unhealthy fear of mailboxes. <laughs> Just wrap them in bubble wrap, <laughs> and they'll be fine. So, everybody got a copy? Thank you, gentlemen, for helping me with that. You're both scholars and gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So what's in your cart? Yeah, at, at Christmas time, it's, it's a time of giving and receiving. And, you know, I'm guessing most of us really enjoy giving. And secretly inside, most of us really enjoy receiving, right? And so at Christmas time, we put on the face like, I really enjoy giving, you know. But somewhere inside, there's a child in all of us that says, I, well, I would like to get something for Christmas. Instead of a bag of coal or something, I, you know, I would like to get that Lamborghini that I always wanted, right? Uh, did you see in the news this week where two pastors have bought Lamborghinis? One bought one for himself, one bought one for his wife. Hint, hint. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I am in the wrong church. We don't do that kind of thing here. But. Is that right? Yeah. We might get you a 95 Corolla. Yeah, that works. It was a $230,000 car that he, he bought his wife. And so it was a little, little chatter on, uh, you can imagine there's a little chatter on the internet about that purchase. But anyway, uh, I digress. We all have a cart in our heart. Every one of us. Uh, from the smallest uh, to the biggest, the youngest, the oldest. Uh, we all have a cart, and everywhere we go in life, we, we've got this cart attached to us, right? And 
we're always looking for something to put in it. And, and then sometimes we're always looking for something to take out of it to give to someone else. And I want to share some scriptures with you about what God, the Father, has put in your cart, in your heart. There, there's at least 45 things that I've got listed on the page right here that he's put into your heart. And then what he expects back from us. Okay? So let's look at some of these scriptures. What's in your cart? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So the first gift, and I've got some little three-by-five cards up here, and I'm just going to illustrate putting things in our cart. The first gift, the most amazing gift, the perfect gift, was what? What does the scripture say is the first gift? His son. Jesus gave us his son. So when you are thinking about the cart that you're carrying around with you every day, right? The first gift you need to realize is that Jesus uh, was the perfect gift. God gave his son to die on the cross for your sins so that you could have eternal life. You understand that? He exchanged that. He exchanged all of your sins for eternal life. Does that sound like a good bargain? Here, give me everything you don't like, everything you hate in this world, all the bad and ugly, and I'll give you the best. Is that something like a fair exchange? Right? Right? Well, that's what Jesus did. He exchanged uh, eternal life for all the bad we've had in life. So that's the first gift. Second gift that he put in our cart, John 10, 28, it says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never per perish. No one, not even yourself, you're not strong enough, can snatch them out of my hand. You heard that, right? Nobody can snatch you out of the hands of Jesus. Nobody. Nobody. Nothing. Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor rulers in high places shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So what's the second gift here? I give them what? Okay, so he's given us eternal life. What's eternal life? Right. Everybody lives forever, right? The, the, your spirit, your human spirit lives forever. It's going to live forever in one of two places. Heaven, which is eternal life, or hell for eternal life. Heaven for eternal life, hell for eternal life. That's your two choices. Choose wisely. Choose Jesus. Choose heaven. I give them eternal life. John 14, 26, third thing. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, give in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So what's the third gift we have here? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right? And it says he's our counselor. Now, don't raise your hand. But how many of you have been to a counselor lately and paid that fee? $95 an hour, right? $125 an hour to go to a counselor or a coach or a life coach or all these things. You know, we used to. So many pastors and they're life coaches, and I really question that because uh, I've been a life coach all my ministry, and I've never charged anybody to mentor them. We used to call it mentoring, and it was free, right? Never call it coaching. We charge you five hundred dollars a month. This is something wrong with sharing what God has given me, and then charging you for it. Does that make sense? The counselor doesn't charge you a thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't charge you a thing. He says you got a problem. Let's sit down and talk about it. And you talk to him and he gives you advice. He gives you an answer. He gives you suggestions. He, he asks you questions. So what are you going to do about it? I don't like it when he does that. 
when I go to him complaining and saying, what are you going to do about it? He says, well, what are you going to do about it? That's what a counselor does, right? And it's free. So we get the counselor, right? The gift. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you go to church. Uh, isn't that what your version says? No, what it says? What? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another, right? So here's a gift. What's the next gift we got here? A new commandment. So how many commandments are there now? There were 10, now there are? Very good, Matthew. There are 11 commandments, right? And that 11th commandment sums up all the 10. So put that in there. Ephesians 4, but to each one of us, grace has been given. What's grace? Unmerited favors. That's one definition. Another definition is God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C, God's riches at Christ's expense. I think another definition, which is just as valid as the first two, is God's presence with us. His immediate presence with us, I think, is another definition of grace. So we're going to add that to our cart. Right? Matter of fact, that's, that's free. Remember, all these things are free so far. We haven't charged you anything. Right? Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Ezekiel's in the house. 26, verse 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So what's the next gift? Do what? A new heart, right? A heart of flesh, not of stone. And you know what a stony heart is, right? It's indifference. You know, being hot or cold. Jesus says, I wish you read the hot or cold. That's fine. But since you are lukewarm, you're indifferent. I just, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. It's lukewarm water. I don't want to taste that. It's yucky. He says, be one or the other. And here God says, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, not of stone, not of indifference. But something that actually feels, a heart of flesh feels. It, it feels the heartbeat of God. It feels the rhythm of God as he works in our lives and he works in the lives of others around us. We, we feel that flow of the spirit. That's what it means to have a heart of flesh. And he, he gives that to us. Hey, I'll take this one out and I'll, I'll give you a new one. And you don't have to go into anesthesia to get it. And no rejection medicines, right? It gives us a new heart. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary, and increases the burden of the weak. Is that what it says? No. no. We say that, though, God will never give you more than you can take. That's, that's bad theology. God, God doesn't give us bad things. Right? Bad theology. Look what it says in the Scripture. It says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He wants to increase the power of the weak that we have, not decrease us, not put more on us to bring us down and hurt us. So what does he give us? Strength and power. And power. We'll put that in our cart. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Read this with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're going to add all those in the card. That's, that's a whole list right there, right? We're going to add those into our card. He gives you love. And so here you are, walk around with your cart, and you run into somebody, 
and you're not sure you really care for them, right? They're a family member maybe. Who knows? <laughs> They're a co-worker. God says, I put a little love in there for you to get back. That person you really don't care for. Yeah, so I give you some love back. Peace. He's put peace in your heart. You're upset about something. You're distraught. Just sit down for a minute and just say, okay, God. I need the peace of Christ to come be the referee in my life. That's actually what it means in the Greek. Come be the referee. Tell me what's really going on here. So as we walk around, we're carrying that peace in our heart. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. It's in our heart. It's in our heart. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 says, Now to each one of the, manif- now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That is to help all of us, right? Read this with me. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So we're going to put that in our cart. Matter of fact, we can put a bunch for that. And, and for the first one, we've got to, we're going to get up to 45 here in a minute. Okay. So once again, you're going along your day. You're doing your job. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up with a question. Well, guess what? In your cart that you're carrying around, you've got wisdom. You've got knowledge, revelation. You, somebody walks up and they're sick, and the Bible says you've got healings. And that's plural, by the way. Healing is plural. It's not singular. So there's multiple healings. There's miracles. Somebody needs a miracle. You've got that in your cart. Right? What, what are you going to do with it? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31 through 13a, it says, But eagerly desire... The greater gifts. So here we are, we're talking about these gifts that were given, but now there's a greater gift. And what is that? What's the greatest gift? Love. So let's read this together. Love is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no records of wrongs, does not delight in evil, Rejoices in the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and will never fail. Wow. That's the kind of love you have in your heart right now. And it was a gift to you. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to earn it. It's, it's just a gift that God has given you to exercise. And this is the definition of what God's idea of love is. Right? Ephesians 4.12, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So God, in his wisdom and in his plan, knew that he would select certain men and women to serve him that would commit their life and vocation to him to equip all the Christians around the world to build up the body of Christ and make it stronger. And so when I was a teenager, God called me. He spoke to me. He summoned me and said, I've got an assignment for you. I want you to be a pastor teacher. And when I was 16, I said yes to God. And so I became a pastor teacher. God had already called me to do that. That was my design by God. I had no choice in the matter. I could do nothing else but that, whether I'm at this church or out in the world. I'm, I'm a pastor teacher wherever I go. That's just who I am. And so God gifted the body of Christ with these, it's called a five-fold ministry, five types of ministry. So once again, another gift. 
You have access. It's amazing with the Internet. You've got access to apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers 24-7. You can go online and, and, just, and pull up anybody around the world that, that you want to listen to and learn from. It's amazing. You have that ability without going online. You can go to any church building you want to around here, any ministry center you want to, and learn from somebody else. Uh, it's just amazing the learning opportunities we have. But those are gifts that God put in your cart and said, look, this is in your cart. These people are here, and they're here to help you. What a wonderful gift. So that's about 45 gifts, 45 gifts. If you add up each one of these items individually, about 45 gifts that God has put in your cart, and there's so many more uh, that we could list. So what does God expect back from us? He's given us all this. What does he expect back from us? I want to read Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. And uh, beginning of verse 6, it says, uh, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. And ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? Verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? And God answers, you robbed me in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, look at this, look at this first verse or second verse. It says, how are we to return? The beginning of revival in your heart begins with giving. The beginning of revival in your heart starts with giving. The beginning of revival in a church starts with giving. Now, we often acquaint this equate the scripture with giving money and that's it that is what it means but the deeper spiritual principle is giving anything away so we've got our cart full we've read them off right we've got our cart full of 45 things here right out of the scripture that God's given us he wants us to give some of that back and the scripture says he says give a tithe that's 10 percent now what that means in practical terms is when you get your paycheck on Friday and you've made $200, you take 10% of that, which would be $17, and you give it back to God, right? And that 10% of 200? And that 10%? What's 10% of 200? Oh, oh, we just kind of adjusted down a little bit because we need to go buy that Lamborghini. So we take $3 for ourselves, we give 17 back to God, and we're good, right? We're good. All right? Right? 10% is 10%. Now, if you've been at this church as long as I have eight years, then you get a discount to 8%. Just saying so. 8%. I'm teasing. It doesn't work that way. And then it says not just tithes, but it says offerings on top of that. So the 45 things, watch this thing in the cart. The 45 things in the cart, God says, I'd like for you to give 10% of that back. You keep the 90 
But I'd like to give you to give a little bit more than that away at the right time when I ask you to. So let's use the word love. God puts love in our cart, in our heart. He says, Jim, I'd, I'd really would like for you to give 10% of that away every week. 10% of the love I've given you, you give away. And you keep the 90%. However, this coming week, I'm going to ask more of that from you because I've got an assignment for you. You're going to be at the store and somebody's going to need extra love and, and I want you to pour love into their heart. But I'll tell you that. And so you're at the store and you meet somebody and God says, I just need you to pour out love with, with words of kindness to this person. And I need you to give more than 10%. So you give 20%. God says, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll make that up to you. Because I'm capable of filling the cart back up with what you gave away. That's why it says, trust me, test me, and see if I will not open the floodgates and give you more love than you've ever thought you could have. Now, if it's true with love, it's true with money. We miss that. We, we, we just miss that sometimes. Money is the easiest thing you can give God. It's the least thing you can give God. But it's the hardest thing to give God. But once you start giving money, look what the Bible says. It says that God will return to us. And what it means is revival breaks out in our heart. A giving person is a revived person. A stingy person is, well, a dead person. Right? They're, they're just, they don't have life in them yet. God wants them to have that life. He wants them to live that fruitful life. But they're just kind of sitting there. They haven't planted a seed in the ground so that it can grow. Says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? Well, how do we rob you? Says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole 10%, the whole 10% into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God said, test me. I dare you. Try it. Says the Lord Almighty. And, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians on your piece of paper here at the bottom of the page. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man or woman should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now, the Old Testament, God says, just try 10%. And maybe an offering every now and then. The New Testament says, purpose in your heart what God wants you to do. Purpose in your heart what God wants you to do. And so what he's saying is, look in the cart. See everything you've got. A lot of stuff in that cart. A lot, a lot of gifts in this cart here. And I want you to go through those gifts and decide what you're going to give. Now, a lot of times we show up at church. I'm talking about money at, at this point. Well, a lot of times we show up at church and we think about the offering, we don't think about it until the young men stand up with the plate in their hand. And we grab for our wallet or our purse and we start scrambling through and trying to find the right dollar to throw in there. And we throw it in there. Well, you've not purposed anything in your heart. You have more purpose when you go out to eat than you do when you come to church. Because when you go out to eat, you're sitting there saying, I need to leave a tip. As a matter of fact, the little machine on the table will tell you what kind of tip you want to leave. You can, you can slide it over this way. It's like 10%, 15%, 20%. You push the 20%, it calculates it for you. Isn't that amazing? Adds it to the, the check total, you swipe and you're good. Most Christians will spend more time calculating and planning the tip at a meal than they will giving an offering to God. 
when they show up and just grab their wallet and open and throw something in. I would suggest if that's how you're going to give, don't. Don't. You haven't planned it out. Don't. Don't. Don't insult yourself. Don't. Don't cross that line. Start on Monday and say, God, man, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. And just go, thank you for this. What can I give back? What can I give back? That's how we purpose in our heart. That's what Paul's saying. Just sit down and think about it on Monday. What are you going to do on Sunday? Don't, don't wait till Sunday gets there and, and fumble through and find something. Think about me and think about the gifts starting on Monday. And by the time you get here Sunday, the offering you bring will be amazing. Whether it's a penny or a dollar, you will have purposed in your heart before God. God, this is how thankful I am for all this that's in my heart. This is how thankful I am. And I want to bring something back to you. And not only the money. Remember, that's the least thing we can get. That's the least thing. But we purpose in our heart on Monday how to give away love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. God, I'm so thankful for all these things. How can I give that back? But you see, the practice, listen, the practice for children, listen to me, the practice for children is to learn how to give the money first. As children in Christ, as babies in Christ, God says, you've got to practice giving the money back, the actual dollar bills back first, and then you'll understand how to give the rest of it away. But until you get that, you're not going to understand how to give love, joy, peace, patience, kindness away. God starts with the least thing. God does not need your money or my money. He already owns it all. He owns the gold and the silver, he says. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. He owns the dirt on the hills. He owns the grass on the hills. Right? He owns the rocks. On. It's going down the list. He owns it all. He doesn't need anything from us. But he knows that we will grow more into the image of Christ. Listen, we will grow more into the image of Christ who said it's more blessed to give than receive. We will grow more into the image of Christ the more we become givers and not takers. Now, the sad thing is there are people walking around with this card attached to them, and all they are is takers. All they are is takers. Takers. And they just want to come take, 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 and they don't ever give. They don't ever give. Listen, a Christian is never, a Christian is never without something to give. Whether it's a penny or a dollar or the more important things like love, joy, peace, patience, miracles, healings, etc. You're never without something. Listen, you may feel empty. Your cart may feel empty today, but I promise you it's not. In Christ Jesus, your cart is full and overflowing. And on the very day that you don't feel like it, you need to go back to the scripture and say, I know that my cart is full. Of all the things God's given me, even when I don't feel like it. And even on the worst day of your life, when you want to come home from work and just crawl up under the blankets and never see another human being again, your cart's still full. It didn't change. You can't change what's in your cart because of the way your heart feels. You can't change it. It's unchangeable. God's calling and giftings are eternal. What he puts in your heart is there to stay. So why does he ask something back from us? Why does he want this 10% of our 
paycheck? Or why does he want us to give all these things back? Three things. Three things. Real quickly. First, God is looking for thanks. God is looking for thanks. Remember the ten lepers that got healed? Right? And they all went off rejoicing. How many of them came back and said thank you? One. Ten percent. There's that ten percent again. Ten percent came back and said thank you. When you give something back, when you give an offering, a tithe, a 10% offering of your paycheck, what you're doing is you're saying thank you. When you give away love, a joy, a peace, a patience, a kindness, it's a thanks to God. You're being thankful for what he's given you. And God, God looks on our heart to see if we're thankful. Paul goes and says, God loves a cheerful giver. And when you're at the point where you're giving and you're laughing about it, that's when true thanks comes out. That, that's true thanks. It just so happens, giving it all away. This is fine. This is, this is joy. God asks us 10% back. He asks something from us to give this away to see if we're thankful. To see if we're thankful. Are you thankful he gave his son to die for you on the cross? Then, then give something in the cart away. God says, I'll give it right back. And I'll give it back with interest. I'll pour more into your life than you can imagine. Secondly, God asks us to give something back as a sign of trust. Trust is, trust is one of those crazy things, isn't it? You, husband and wife get married and they're, they're married for nine years and then something goes wrong and, and trust is broken. And it's hard for that that other partner, that other spouse in the marriage, to trust them from then on. It's just hard to regain trust. It's, it, trust is earned, we say. God says, do you trust me with your life? You've trusted me with your salvation, will you trust me with your wallet? You've trusted me with your salvation, with eternal life, will you trust me with giving away some kindness? It's a matter of trust. God asks something from us to prove that we trust him. Third thing. God asks something from us for a testimony. A testimony. God asks something from us for a testimony. So that we can go out of this place and share a testimony of how God came through in our life because we gave something away. I've heard countless testimonies on the money side of it through the years, how someone said, I needed this amount of money to the exact penny and wound up getting a check in the mail for the exact amount to the penny. Right? And they gave a testimony. and said, look, look what God did. This, this is how he came through in my life. That's a testimony. You know, there, there's over a dozen times in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament and the Psalms, where it says, and I will stand and give a testimony in the great assembly. That means everybody's gathered. And I will give a testimony in the great assembly about who God is and how he's worked in my life. And how you've given away kindness. And someone gives kindness back to you. Right? So I was at Bojangles a couple weeks ago. And I was getting me a biscuit. I like those biscuits. Right? Do you like those biscuits from Bojangles? 
Have you ever had a biscuit from Bojangles? Three of you have. Okay, the rest of you are lying. All right. And I'm in the line. There's a truck in front of me, and the gentleman got his order. And then I pulled up to the winter window to give my money for my biscuits and the, my 97 cents, whatever. And the lady says, it's been paid for. I said, I beg your pardon? She said, it's been paid for. I'm like, I don't see anybody I know. And the truck in front of me opened the window, opened the door and went back and just waved at me. It was a church member here. Bless my heart. And then he drove off. Kindness. Kindness. That's just so simple. I was so blessed all day long. I didn't want to eat the biscuit. I wanted to give it to God. He told me I could have it. So. You needed it worse than he did. Yeah, I did. So I ate my biscuit, right? It's, it's the little bit. Jesus said, if you just give a cup of cold water in my name, you're going to be blessed. Just a cup of cold water or a hot biscuit. You're going to be blessed. He asks it from us. Thanks to see if we're thankful, to see if we'll trust him, and to give a testimony to who he is. Tithing is a testimony to who God is, not to who you are, or how much money you make, or how much good you do in the world. It's a testimony to him. So, the last verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's why we give. And here at Christmas time, we're going to give gifts. Let me encourage you to become a real giver. Paul said, excel in the grace of giving. Excel in the grace and ministry of giving. So I want to encourage all of us for 2019 coming up. Let's be givers more than takers. And if you feel like your card is empty, it's not. If you need an encouraging word, we'll be here for you. If you find somebody without hope, tell them what God's done for them and what he wants to do for them and how wonderful he is. And if they'll just trust in him and follow him, he'll make their path straight. They'll follow him. So this morning, what's in your cart? A lot. What's in your cart? A lot. Let's pray.